I tell you, Pastor, I was sitting under your leadership about, I don't know, 13 years ago, and you gave a, just something very similar, um, explanation of Strong Tower. And I was a congregant, and I came up to him because when he said, are you growing, are you this, are you that, I was searching my heart. Am I? Am I serving? I was serving with children back then. I uh, was giving. But for some reason, I went to him and I said, hey, Pastor Chris, I was pretty low back then. I, I wasn't very. And I said, uh, I don't pray publicly. And uh, I don't speak in front of people. And uh, I'm just trying to find my spot, how God wants me to grow. That's what I said to him. And you got to be careful who you tell people. Because, you see, God already knows what he's about to do with you. And when I told my brother, my pastor, one of my dearest friends that day, when I was telling him where I was falling short, God said, that's my daughter, because I'm about to stretch her in that. And then let's go back about nine years ago. I just want to paint y'all a picture of who God is and what he's doing and what he can do. If you're searching your heart this morning and you're saying, okay, I heard that. What now? What? Listen, I don't do this and I don't do that. Be careful. Be careful. About nine years ago, we had just moved. And about nine years ago, we moved to this building. Pastor got up here again and he said, Friends, family, we need to pray right now in this building. Pray against anything, any spirit in here, anything that is coming against us in this church, in this new building. And what I want you to do, I'll never forget it, y'all. I have a photogenic memory. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to just to grab a hand of somebody. and Everybody come forward. Everybody in the church come forward and just right here, we're going to pray over this space. Pastor Jewel was the worship leader. I didn't know her. I knew her from here. I didn't know her. And so I'm creeping up here. I'm still concrete. I'm creeping up here. Lord, don't make him. He ain't going to ask me to pray. Is he? Nothing. I'm just, so I'm coming up here. Jewel and I lock hands. I didn't know her. But you see what God was doing, don't you? You see what God was doing? He had a puzzle that he was putting together with willing hearts and minds. He had a puzzle, friends, where he said, you're going to speak with your mouth, your shortcomings, and I'm going to feel, fulfill this for you. Because I know you, daughter. I know your heart. I know your gifts. I know your talents. So I spoke that with my mouth. He began to grow me. Then I connect with Dr. Jewel here. And the next thing he says is, I'm going to make you a pastor. What? My husband is telling me at home, you're a pastor. Like, you can't, he would say, go do this, you're a pastor. I'm like, well, no, not. I'm a director of children's ministry. No, you're not, you're a pastor. Then God started telling me that. And I'm like being quiet. And then pastor came and talked to the three of us about being women pastors, the first women pastors of Strong Tower Bible Church, being ordained in ministry. And I saw what God had done. Darina and I had raised Karis and Olivia together as friends. Jewel and I locked hands nine years ago right here in this floor. Didn't even know each other's last names. And he put it together. Why? Because we were flexible. We were willing. And we accepted what God had for us in our lives. 
I didn't plan to tell y'all this today. But when Pastor got up here and said what he had said in front of me 13, about 13 years ago, I said, I got to share because what I want for my family and my friends is for you to live your full potential on this earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want for every one of you. That's what I want. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for our youth. And that's, he can do it. He can do it if you're two, if you're 102. I know it. I've seen the goodness of God. I've felt it. I've lost people. I've lost my mother. I've lost my father. But I still have my father. I still have him. And he says every day, I got you. I still have y'all are my family. I'm sorry, but you are. And y'all are always, I got you. Something special happens when you show up for God. Something special happens when you show up for God. There is a different spirit in here this morning. Why? Because this sanctuary has not slept this weekend. It has not. When I pulled up this morning and the roof was still on the building, I said, Lord, how can it be? Because we have praised and worshiped this ceiling out of this place this weekend with the youth. We have those voices on Friday night. Last night I ended and I was crying tears. Why? Because these kids wanted to have a youth retreat here. They told me this in January. Let me just be honest, I haven't a clue about how to do one. It was a new role for me. And my, the kids are saying, Pastor Felicia, we want to we host it. We want to lead it. We want to do it. And I said, oh, okay. And I went straight to the throne. And I said, God, you know I've never done this. And he started giving me names, places, food. And I went to my pastor. I said, Pastor Chris. Uh, and he said, do what you got to do because those are the leaders of our church. And so we did. So this weekend, friends, we had a youth retreat here called Belong because the students came up with that because they are looking to belong. And as the world is hard on us right now, all of us, we're looking for a spot. But if we don't belong to the Lord first, we're going to have problems belonging to each other. We're going to have problems belonging to each other. We got to look up before we look out. Because if we ain't looking up and if we ain't looking out, we're going to be looking down. What happens when you look down? You trip and you fall. You've got to look up. When your tears are flowing down, you've got to look up. When it's cloudy outside, still look up because God's got something for you in the clouds. I promise he does. I've seen it. I promise he does. I've seen it. I promise. So this morning, we just want to celebrate the goodness of God and what God did in and through our young people. And two of our young people asked if they could share with y'all, just for a minute, if they could share with y'all what God did this weekend. And while they're coming down, when people show up for you, when people show up for God and show up for the young people, it's amazing. Debbie and Robert Hall host homes. Elizabeth and Jason Rogers, host homes. Amy and Ben Wolf, host homes and led. Kate and Yuri Vanderheiden provided their home. Xavier and Joy Bledsoe, leaders. Rebecca Taylor, Savannah Collier, Crystal Jones, Ben Wolf, Melissa Kidd, Pastor Jewel, Pastor Darina, Richard Kidd, Char and John Kiever, Pastor Chris, 
Joy and Trey. Y'all, we had a good time this weekend, and we didn't do it alone. God said, here's who I'm setting. Here's who I'm sending to help you. And they showed up. Pastor Darina yesterday, I said, what are you doing here? I'm just here to help you. Just tell me. Pastor Joel, all weekend, what do you need me to do? That's how we show up for one another. But before that, that's how we show up for God. That's how we show up for kingdom work. We can't do this alone. We go to him. He directs our steps. We have to show up. You show up and he's going to do the rest of it. I promise you. I promise you. So I'm going to bring up Maya Kidd and Layla Grimes. They want to share with you this morning. I just turned this on, but it didn't come on. So just want to make sure we're good. If I need to switch out, I can. Try it. No. Okay. No. What you need? Oh, Darina's. Okay. Sometimes we got to switch the mic. Here we go. All right. There you go, Maya. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Um, my name is Maya Kidd, and this is my friend, Layla Grimes. And um, so we attended the youth retreat called Belong. And what we learned about was that God did not intend us to be isolated from others. He intended us to be a part of a community and to belong to others, specifically the right community that leads you closer to him. And just the message was from Pastor Mike, and it was just a really good message. And what really stuck out to me, like last night he uh, explained that um, doing things God's way, because that is the only right way, and to not do it our way, what we think is the right way, because doing it our way just leads us farther from God. And how, how he explained it was it's really weird. So stay with me here because it catches you off guard. <laughs> so he explained that we can either be slaves to darkness or slaves to righteousness. And the difference between those is if you're a slave to darkness, you, you stay there. Um, but you can eventually get out of it, but you just, like, you're just like held down from it. But if you're a slave to righteousness, you are just getting out of sin and you're trying to get yourself to get closer to God and then you can move up to um, being his being his servant and then being his son or daughter and so it's just like it becomes second nature to you and so that really stuck out to me because I I recently got out of a, a bad season uh, recently and um, I had during that season and maybe like a little bit after, I felt very lonely. Like some days I felt great, but like it was just like overall I felt lonely. And then I, and then just at the retreat, like just being with my friends and made me realize like I'm not, I'm not lonely. Like he's always been with me like every step of the way. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> and 
And so some of the activities we did this weekend, when we first got here um, on Friday night, we all gathered together, people from um, in our youth ministry here at Strong Tower and people from, I believe, East End uh, Prep High School. And we had some other middle schoolers from our uh, Coach Jones that we like to call her. Uh, she's one of the other youth leaders that we have here, and she's so amazing. And so she organized all these different activities for us to bond together. We were line dancing. We were eating some good food. Thanks to Miss Felicia, we ate really good. Um, and we also did a scavenger hunt um, yesterday, and we all it was just a big group activity in which we all got to bond together. Um, and the reason why that I feel like was just so important, especially to me, was you know, uh, just like Maya, going through some times where, you know, you feel lonely and you don't feel um, like you have someone to lean on. It's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to feel it and to actually be a part mm -hmm. of that. And so that's why I really appreciated the activities that um, our ministry provided us students because we really got to feel that connection and uh, bond with one another. And I feel like that's another way in which we're also feeling God's love too. So Amen. it was just another great reminder. Amen. So thank you so much. So they are our senior girls, y'all. So after this uh, summer, they will promote up to college ministry. That's what I love about Next Generation is we don't lose them. You know, we keep them. We keep them here. So, yes, they will promote up to college ministry. But there was a, whew, I tell you, it was a special time this weekend. And we just, God gave me another vision last night laying in bed. I was trying to go to sleep and rest, and he said, I got something else for you. He gave me another assignment for the youth that we're going to kick off here. Um, I haven't even told a pastor, so he's probably sitting there wondering what, but God said, and so we're going to do what God says. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 29 while I pray for us this morning. Father God, you're so good. Oh, your greatness spans all ages, Lord, all hearts, all spirits that Profess your name, Lord God. Lord, we're asking you this morning to show up in a special way just one more time to help heal our hearts, Lord, as we are focusing on giving God more for this year. Lord, um, prepare our hearts and our ears to hear. If this message hits one person today and can help one of your children today, Lord, we have done well. Thank you for covering us today, God. Thank you for what you're doing and you're showing up in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our brokenness. We're so grateful for you, Lord. It's in all things we pray your name. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk a little bit about, well, at the end of last year, Pastor said, um, we're going to be doing some giving God more in 2024. Y'all saw the video maybe online of us sitting around the table trying to figure out what our plan was for 2024. He said, we're going to give God more. When he said that, I was like, ooh, this sounds like an opportunity for us to give God more of something. And so every week we have discussed, talked about what God has given him as a vision of giving God more in 2024. And I pray you have thought about that for your life. There's nothing like speaking life over your life. Because in those darker days, you need to hear what you have heard. And your brain records what it hears, no matter if you like it or not. It does. As I tell the children, if you're listening to 
not-so-good music and playing not-so-good video games and watching not-so-good TV, your language and vocabulary is going to be not-so-good. Why? Because your brain records what it hears. Your body records what it feels. You hear me? It does. And so we carried those things. And I said, God, you know, since 2020, we've, we've all, and, and if you haven't, raise your hand, but we've all been experiencing different weird things. Some of us have experienced sickness, health, loss of loved ones, loss of employment, uh, loss of friendships. Somebody, everybody came out of quarantine mad, seems like. They don't want to be with people. They're not happy. It's almost like we're starting over. So I said, God, what do you want me to give more of in 2024? I need you to tell me because I, 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 I'm, I'm staying in step with you. What do you want me? And he said, give me more room. Felicia, I want you to give me more room. You know, you've been healing, and I'm proud of you, but I need more room because I need more of it from you. Oh. Just as I, you gave me more room to work in your life, to make you a pastor, to have you praying when you said you couldn't, I need you to give me that kind of room to help you now. And I said, okay. All right, let me back up. Let me open my arms. I'm a visual learner, okay? I'm a visual learner. Like I said, I've got a little bit of a photographic memory a little bit. So I don't forget much. People around me, they don't like that sometimes, but I don't forget much. So I said, I remember that feeling of you bringing me out of that. I can't pray publicly. I can't speak in front of people. It feels, it feels pretty freeing now. So let me back up, God, and give you more room so you can heal me a little better from my head to my toe, from my heart to my ankles. Heal me, God. He said, you've you got to work with me. You've got to give me more room. And I said, well, show me in the Bible where that happens. <laughs> show me in the Bible because I'm a visual learning guy. I need to see something from you. Show me. Teach me. All right. And he did. So he turned me to chapter 29, Genesis chapter 29. Now today we're going to be talking about a father wound. But I don't want to look through the lens of just a father wound. I want to look through relational wounds. Relationships are important. As my youth were saying, as our youth were saying, we don't need to be in silos. We don't need to be by ourselves. I am married to an introvert. I'm telling his business. Okay, I'm married to an introvert. I'm an extrovert. So sometimes we got to get next to each other, and he's got to take me down two notches, and he goes up two, and then we meet right here. All right? So it's hard. It's hard. Relationships are necessary, however, they are hard. So today I want to talk about relational wounds. Relational wounds. And I'm going to, I looked for the definition. I think we need to know as I teach young people, I don't just get up and spout off four verses and take my seat. If you're new here, I'm going to tell you how I teach them. I explain the definition. I provide scripture to back it up. And then at the end, we don't leave unless we know how to apply it. 
If we're just here listening to words to say we came to church at 1030 and stayed to 12, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. we got to know, how do we get outside the walls and love well? How do we get out here and tell the good news of the gospel well? It ain't just happening. If we're just doing it in here, we gotta, y'all, we got to step out of that. we got to get a relationship. However, we are wounders. We can give a wound. And we are woundees. We can receive wounds. That's how powerful God made us. We don't go above him. But we are human, and these things happen. So I wanted today to define a relational wound. It's defined as a traumatic event and a relationship which wounds deeply. And they're so powerful that they render us helpless and fearful. Helpless and and fearful. We've all felt that, I'm pretty sure. Helpless and fearful. We're going to dive into the life of Leah today. You may be familiar with her story. She was the oldest daughter of Laban who found herself trapped in a loveless, polygamous marriage. Loveless, polygamous marriage. Her story begins with Jacob. He was one of the patriarchs and the youngest son of Isaac. His mother and father sent him to Paddan Aram to find a wife from Rebekah's family. They said, go get a wife. And here's where you're going to find her. And here's the family. Go. And he went. I could, I could talk about this for two weeks, but I'm going to try to fold it up in one. His first destination was at a well in a shepherd's field. He asked them in there, hey, do you know Laban? And they said, yes. In fact, here comes his daughter. And we're going to learn more about Rachel here in a minute, Leah's sister. But she's coming across the field, and I can imagine, I'm a visual learner, okay, I'm painting the picture. I can imagine it was love at first sight. She's coming across the field with her father's flock. We'll learn later that she was beautiful. She had long hair, and she's coming across the flock. And he sees her from from afar. I'll tell you, my husband was love at first sight. I'm not just saying that. We were in a public place, and I was leaving. My friend and I were leaving. Don't laugh at me, but I came out of the bathroom, and he, it was like at a social club thing, and he was standing there by himself, and there was a light shining on his head. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I'm not, this is what God does. I'm not kidding you right now. And my friend was like, let's go. We got to go. This place is lame. And I said, hold on a minute. Wait just a minute. There's a man up under a light that I need to go see. <laughs> Listen, my mother raised me, y'all. If she was here today, she, told, she said, she raised me. Don't you talk to a boy first and don't you dare call a boy. And I could hear my mother. She was alive then. And I don't know that I ever told my mother this story, but... I said, I got to go. I got to go. Now, y'all, I was older. Okay, I think I was in my 30s. I had on the best tall bit suit they sold in the middle of this uh, young people's social club that I looked like a teacher in the middle of the coolest people in Nashville. But I was confident in what I had on, and I was confident that man was a good-looking man. So I said to myself, I'm walking toward him, and I'm like, I never flirted with a grown man before, but I don't know how you do it, but I'm going to see how you do it. And so, yeah, I told y'all not to laugh at me. I'm being transparent right now. 
And I said, on television, they bump into each other. So there ain't a soul around him. Y'all know I went over there and bumped in that man. You know, my husband, and I didn't know him, but he said, uh, excuse me. And I said, hi. And he's very serious. He spent 22 years in the Air Force. He was still in the Air Force, and he probably was warned about people like me. And he said, he said, just like that, are you hitting on me? He was like, what is wrong with you? And I said, and I said, no. <laughs> that's exactly how I said it, y'all knew. I said, he know, how did he know my game? He'll tell me now my game was weak, but it wasn't too weak because here we are 15 years later. <sighs> God is good, y'all. God is good. So when I see that Jacob sees Rachel coming, I, I know those butterflies. I know that nauseating feeling that you get. I still have it sometimes. I'm like, there's my man. Yeah. So he's like, oh, my gosh, he is smitten. He is smitten. He kisses her hand. He's weeping because he believes he's found his wife. And God has blessed him quickly in the first field at the well. Jacob ain't been too good at his family. So he's like, I've been blessed well. And he's kissing her on the hand. And so he travels back with Rachel to her house to meet her dad, Laban. And he stayed with them for a month. Jacob worked with him and Laban felt like he should pay him. So he asked him, hey, what would you like your wages to be? You shouldn't work for free. What, what would you like? And he said, I'll tell you what. I'll work for you for seven years in exchange for your daughter, Rachel. Laban said, okay. The young people would say these days, bet. That means yes. So he said, hey, y'all teaching me stuff up there. All right. So he said, all right. He said, all right. He said, you work for me for seven years, I'll give you my daughter Rachel. We got it. We got it. And the word of God says seven years felt like just a few days. They were so in love and around each other. And can you imagine every day they're out watering the sheet and getting, and they just giving goo goo eyes for seven years. For seven years. But it felt like just a few days. Felt like just a, that's a good love. That's a good love. Now it's time for Jacob and Rachel to marry. Even though we know that it was Jacob's desire to marry Rachel, Laban gave him his oldest daughter, Leah. This messes me up. So I had to go get a visual for this. I've watched movies to see how this happened. Because, wait a minute, your deal, number one, Laban, was to give Rachel. You made a deal. And this man has worked with you for seven years for your word that you were giving your daughter to him. He was excited. He was smitten. He had cried tears over the beautifulness of Rachel. And here comes Laban. Now, not only is he not keeping his word with Jacob, he's about to humiliate his daughter. Now, Leah took a part in it, right? She could have said no, laid down, screamed and hollered, not went. But that's not how it went back then. You did 
what your parents said. You did what they said. Leah knowingly went with her father, so she did play a part in the equation. The passage I can hardly move off of is Genesis 29 and 23. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob went into her. He didn't just tell her father, the one that should look out for his daughter and should encourage her in her choices, should love her well, should question her mates, her possible mates that are coming. He didn't just ask questions. He didn't even do that. He dressed her up. He dressed her up. The verbs and actions here. He took her. I watched this, y'all, on film. And here's how it went. They were, he prepared a feast. That's how they did weddings back then. And the wine and the spirits were moving and everybody's jolly having a good time. Jacob is over in this little tent. Now, this how in the movie. In the tent. And he takes his daughter's hand in this movie and smiles. Smiles at Jacob. She knows she's not the right one. Puts her in the tent to consummate the marriage. That's what her dad did for her. Now, if you are a um, soon-to-be parent, wish to have children, a mom or dad, now that's not, we don't manipulate. We don't manipulate. We don't take action. We don't take our children by the hands and put them in a place they're not supposed to be. That's not what we do. We protect them from those places they are not wanted and they're not supposed to be. That is not our role. That is not our role, but that's what he did. There was no miscommunication. There was no, oh, I didn't understand your word. Some of us like to still use that when we are hurtful to one another. You didn't understand what I said. Oh, it must be miscommunication. No, we are actively out here wounding people. I've done it. I've had to repent. I'm capable. I pray I don't do it again, but if I do, I want God to search my heart. Let's take a look at Leah. Genesis 29, 16, and 17 says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Here we go. Leah's eyes were delicate, but, not and, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. So if you're explaining your children, it's usually an and. My, my son is a fireman, works well, and this is my son, is a fireman, works well with his hands, and my daughter is going to be a dental hygienist and is a pageant queen. That's real life. That's my kids. That's what they do. But if I delivered it this way, my son is a firefighter, works great with his hands, but my daughter is a dental hygienist and a pageant queen. What am I doing here? I'm elevating I'm elevating. we got to watch what the Word of God says. An and and a but can make all the difference in the world. we got to watch what we say to people. How do we deliver the messages of our family? How do we deliver the message of the heart of God? we got to watch. An and or a but makes all the difference in the world. So it tells me that probably Leah has lived in the shadow of her sister her whole life. 
If it is recorded in the Bible, it's that important. She's probably felt like the odd girl out. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but have you ever felt like you were living in the shadows of somebody? I have, and it stinks. Okay, I'll say it for you. It's awful. So you have that for your life, and then your dad takes you by the hand to consummate a marriage with a man that don't want you. And your dad knows it. Your dad knows it. So he's taken his labor for seven years and delivers her knowingly. Instead of looking out for her, he put her in a terrible position. Like Leah, sometimes we may be trying to cope with ramifications of wounds alone, but they will show up in other ways. They will spread in other lives in our lives. They will. Leah's wounds did not just impact her, they impacted her children. In Genesis 29:31, let's walk through this really quickly. But I want you to take note of this because, friends, I only talk about what I know, okay? I never talk about what I don't know. I will research it. The closest people to me know that I research everything. But I know that we can't do this. We can't take the wounds that maybe our mother, our father, our brother, our sister, our cousin, our aunt, our uncle— has given us, maybe we were two, maybe we were 20, maybe we were 30, 40, 50. We can't hold on to those. we got to make room for God to heal us in those. Because if we don't, we're going to pour them out in somebody else's life. They hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you in the same way, but a different way. I'm going to manipulate our friendship because my mom didn't do right by me. She said my nose was too big. She said my hair was too short. So I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to give you any compliments today. Why? My own mama didn't tell me that. Now, I'm just painting this for you. My own daddy didn't say he loved me until he was sick and in a sick bed. Why should I tell anybody I love him? Ain't nobody love me. That's the kind of wounds that'll get you. And you'll throw them out on your kids. You'll throw them out on your husband. You'll throw them out on your friend, your brother, your sister, not even knowing. When the Lord saw, Genesis 29, 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, God saw it. He knew it. He said, she's not loved. He enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. In 32, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. This is what she said. It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Reuben means see a son. All right, let's pause right there for one second. Have you ever been in that position? Maybe if we move to a new state, we can start our marriage off with a clean slate. Maybe if I lose a little weight, my husband will think different of me. Maybe if I get a better job, people will accept me. Maybe if I get a different time. Maybe this time, I'll do something different to make people treat me better. Friends, you don't have to do that. Please don't do that. That is your hurt speaking to you. When that comes up, you've got to say, Lord, it's that look up thing. Lord, you've got to help me. Now, she's speaking this over her children, y'all. Children. She says, he's seen my misery. And I'm going to name him, name him C. Reuben, see a son, because maybe just now that I've given him a son, he will see that I'm pretty. And he will see that I'm good. Verse 33 said, she conceived again. 
All right, let's stop right there. My young people and my old people. But anyway, growing people. Physical intimacy does not always equal love. Hear me? If a young man tells you, you're going to lay down with me because if you love me, you will. The word of God says, Jacob did not love Leah. And they kept making children. She said the Lord saw she wasn't loved. But they kept making children. Please don't let anyone manipulate you into that season of putting your character out there. Putting what God has given you for you out there for someone else to take. That may or may not love you. Don't do that. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved. Y'all, she's still speaking this over her children. She had her second child. Not loved. He gave me this one, too. So she named him Simeon, meaning one who hears. She is naming her children after her wounds. We've done it. Maybe if we have one more baby, maybe that's what we need for our marriage. Maybe we're missing a baby. Maybe that's what we need to complete our family. It's not a bad thing. But what I'm telling you is that's not where your healing comes from. It's not coming from the anesthesia of covering up with something or someone. That's not where this comes from. Well, she conceived again. She gave birth to a son. She said, now, at last. My husband will become attached to me. Y'all, she's still begging for her husband. She's still begging for her husband to love her after her dad set her up. I can't do this. She said, maybe he'll become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. So she named him Levi, meaning joined or attached. Still naming her children after her wounds. Still doing it. She don't know what else to do. She's living in a loveless marriage and having these children. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to this son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. Something happened to Leah. She gave room for something different with this child. And she had a moment of clarity. And she quit doing that thing. Of speaking her hurt over her new, child, her new children. Speaking her wounds and naming her children after the scars that have been laid on her. That she really had no choice in. She didn't make a bad decision, y'all. She did not even make a bad decision. She said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Meaning praise or praised. Then she stopped having children. That was it. And we know our Savior comes from the line of Judah. She stopped having children. She said, this time, I will praise the Lord. She didn't dismiss it, excuse it. She acknowledged and owned her situation and the pain she was experiencing. God was working things for good for her. She didn't feel it or know it, but he was. Things we can glean from Leah's experience. She acknowledged her pain. That's the first step. Oh, it's just a bad day. Oh, she was just having a bad day. Oh, he just, you know, he lost his job. He ain't very happy. Yeah, he said those things and did those things to me. That's not acknowledging hurt, wounding. 
that's making excuses. And that's burying, burying it in your body so that it can come out and vomit on someone else. That you probably care for because that's who you feel safe with. So you're going to give it back to the people you care for because you feel safe mistreating them. You do. I, 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 we just do. So she acknowledged her pain and cried out for help and found a reason to rejoice in the end. So we have to let God know of our pain, speak it out loud to him, and give him room to work it out for good. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How we will ever know freedom if we never acknowledge the truth. How can we have the full freedom of Jesus Christ if we never acknowledge the truth? There's a relationship wounds slide, and I found this, and then I ran it past a couple of mental health professionals, and it's accurate, and I wanted to share it with you because I think we can all find a little piece of ourselves in this. I think they're going to put up the slide, right? We got it? Yeah, good. Relationship wounds. If you've experienced not being loved or supported, again, it doesn't matter at what age or what time, you will likely be uncomfortable expressing your emotions. If you experience being molded or shaped, you're going to do this. You can't do that. But God said, I don't care what God said. You, you will likely be fearful and defensive about making mistakes. If you're being told, being told to man up your whole life and not being heard, you may likely fear appearing weak. If you experience constantly disappointing people, and that doesn't mean that you fall short. That means people tell you, you've disappointed me, you're a disappointment, you're embarrassing our family. We don't do that here. You see, I, this is the second part of this uh, sermon, but I'll do that another time. But I will tell you this. The next day, when uh, Jacob woke up and it wasn't Rachel and he had Leah with the weak eyes, he said, hey, hold on. You gave me the wrong daughter. Why did you do that? And he said, oh, out of tradition. Traditionally, we give the oldest first. The, first, the oldest has to get married first. We got to be careful with traditions, y'all. We got to be careful with traditions. We got to mess our people up. We got to mess them up. Can your son be a dancer? Can your daughter be a mechanic? Can your family date or marry outside of their race? I'm talking about creating babies that are mixed race. Some of y'all are good with relationships. Y'all ain't good when it keeps going. All right? I know that. I got a family too. All right. Can your daughter be a minister of the gospel or a pastor in your church? I'm asking real questions. These are traditions. He said... I did it because traditionally, that's what we do. Have y'all heard that? You don't have to answer this because we've all heard something from our family. Why are you doing that? That ain't what we do. Why are you going to this college? That's not what I did. Yeah, why are you not going to college? That's right, Pastor Jewel. Why are you not? I went to college. You've got to go to college or nothing. Traditions. There's wisdom. There's wisdom, good wisdom that we give our children, our young people, our family. There's also stuff that we speak out of flesh because of traditions. Because we're afraid we're going to have to answer to somebody in our family. We're afraid we're going to have to answer to somebody in our family about a tradition we tripped up. To them we messed up. We look to that before we look to God. Why do we do that? We look to who's going to be judging us. Who's going to say, you took our family out of position because you married a black man. 
God created him for me. I will tell that till the day I die. He did. I don't care what people say to me about that. I know who God has created for me. Me and him are good. Me and him are good. We're good. Only receiving love and affection with achievements. You're going to grow up or you're going to grow into your skin being a people pleaser because you think that's the only way to make it. Okay? uh, If you experience unpredictable or hostile environments, you'll be drawn to chaos inside and out. If it's not chaotic, you want it to be chaotic because you're used to uh, operating in that capacity. And so if things are quiet and good and smooth, that that don't feel right. Right. We got to be careful. We've got to be careful, y'all. We gotta, this is stuff that's been put in our heads and our hearts for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. If you experience abandonment physically and relationally, you may find it difficult to emotionally connect with people because, again, that feels different. That doesn't feel natural and normal. We got to make room, y'all, for God to come in and change. We got to make room for God to do something different. The Bible says, goes on to say, after a week of Leah's bridal week, Jacob went on to marry Rachel. After he consummated the marriage, the Bible goes on to say that he loved Rachel more. Leah was still in it. Lifelong loveless marriage for Leah. But even in the midst of it, she found a reason to praise God. We have reasons also. The Holy Spirit is so faithful. He's so faithful by putting people and things in our path. To help heal us. Things we can hear. Our wounds and our pain can be healed. Counselors, podcasts, books, friends, healthy relationships. Some sort of resource to help us on our healing journey. God created it all. So when people say, you just need to read your Bible more. Why are you going to counseling? You don't believe what God can do? People will ask ask me that. And I'm like, I got God and I got who he created to help me. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed to use of one of his resources he's created. And finally, we have to trade our pain for God's perfect love. When you buy a pair of pants that don't fit, but you like the pair of pants, again, I'm painting y'all a picture. You like the pants, you take them home, they don't fit. What do you do? You go back to the store, stand in line, get to the counter. Excuse me, yes, ma'am. These don't fit. I'd like to exchange them for the pair that fits. And she's like, okay, cool. You have to give it before you get what you need. Okay? It's not burying it and then going, I'm good, I'm okay, things are great. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That's no longer acceptable. You've got to give it at the throne. You've got to give it to God. You've got to exchange the pain. He's going to give you perfect love even when you give him your mess. Right? It's like putting your garbage out by the driveway and you come out to a, to a dozen roses. You're like, Lord, have mercy. I didn't know the exchange was going to be this sweet. Right? So we have to trade our pain for God's perfect love. I'm going to finish as the worship team comes back. Psalm 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted. Have you ever had a broken heart? I want to see hands on this one. Have you ever had a broken heart for any reason? He heals 
the brokenhearted. Have you ever had a wound? Have you ever had a wound in your heart? Elder Clifton, me too. Me too. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up the wounds. We need that today, y'all. So again, I teach, I share scripture, and then we apply. If we just take this home and do nothing with it, we might as well stay at home. So at this time, we're going to make room for God. He's here. He's with us. He's here. But we're going to give him the increase right now. As the worship team plays, they're going to play a song for us to end. I want you to search your heart. Did something today, did God convict you of something today that you want to trade for his perfect love? You want to lay something down today and not pick it up? If it's heavy, do you want to lay it and not pick it up? Today is the day you can do that. The altar is open. If you would like to come as a song plays, as a house of prayer, no judgment here. We're here to heal together in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.